Coming to you from the Deep South, this is The Skybalon Show, where we examine modern-day Christianity through the lens of the first-century church. We are your hosts, Brad and Darb. The Skybalon Show is brought to you by Anchor FM, the easy way to podcast. Also by the old Union 76 stations. (laughs) They're not around anymore. Written and produced by Darby and Brad. Directed... Bye, Brad. We're glad you've joined us. Exxon, Texaco, Sinclair, Pontiac, Mercury, Oldsmobile, gas stations and cars, and church? And church. So how do how do we get to the um, the gas station versus the car analogy? Oh, like this. So we've been down here how long? Three years. Just almost th- three years. Almost three years. <clears throat> and so we've gone to a lot of the churches in the area, and um, we've seen the the everybody's got this focus for Sunday. Get everybody to Sunday, and this is something you see everywhere. But get everybody to Sunday. Get everybody to Sunday, and then. You look at the problems that are in our small county, 22,000 people, 117 churches, mm-hmm. and just all of the, the drugs, the violence, uh, gang gang stuff, um, the disparity in the community. Down here, there is kind of an undertone of racism, uh, subtle, but but it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. And so you're wondering, if, if you have this many churches, and these churches are, are strong churches, why are all these things existing? Yeah. Um, it says, uh, you know, it says in the Bible that uh, the the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. So, kind of like what we talked about last week, if you're seeing, <laughs> if you're seeing all that stuff, being able to compete against the church and uh, God's kingdom so effectively, what are the churches not doing? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where we kind of got into this gas station versus car analogy. Where's the focus? Where is, yeah, where's the focus? Where's the focus of the church? Is it feeding the flock? Is it feeding the people? Bringing them, you said, bringing them to Sunday, bringing them into the sanctuary and feeding them with the word that God delivers to the pastor and then sending them out the rest of the week to do those great things that Jesus has given them? Or is it snack time? coffee time the flowers are pretty it sure smells nice and wow when i come here every sunday it's always 72 degrees yeah the carpets are clean i mean and and those things there's nothing wrong with excellence don't get me wrong but it's kind of like this when we have talked to people down here about church Mm -hmm. we tend to get this um and it came to me kind of this picture and then darby and i talked about it one afternoon but it's like when you talk to them about what church is, mm-hmm. they're focused. If you were going to tie it into gas stations and cars, they're focused on the gas station. Yeah. Uh, it's the it's are the floors have the floors been mopped? Is the guy behind the counter? Does he have a, a you know a nice pressed service station uniform? Is the little hot dog rotisserie by the by the checkout stand? Is that you know all filled up with nice little hot dogs? <laughs> are the are the lights all? Is the bathroom clean? Yeah. It's that kind of stuff. And so people are talking about that's church. Yeah. They identify with 
the accoutrements of the gas station. And when Darby and I are talking about church, we're actually looking at the cars that are out at the pumps. The fuel that goes into the car. Into the cars. That sends the car off throughout the week. Right, because it's the car that's the church. It's us. Mm -hmm. The, The Holy Spirit, Jesus, lives in us and drives around in us, in our community, to do his work. Yes. And so if the focus is on the gas station and not on the car, there's mm-hmm. kind of a disconnect. And if the, if that's the case, that may be why the enemy is so effective and and the church is, is not. Yeah. So does a gas station have to be super elaborate? You said earlier, it's okay to have excellence. There is yeah. nothing wrong with wanting to provide excellence for people to come enjoy Right. To come be filled up. And we'll get into that in a minute. The idea of being filled up. We'll talk about that. But does it always have to be focused on the elaborate of the gas station or does it just have to be functional? And in that gas station in that gas station uh, experience, how much of that is wrapped up in going down rabbit holes? Mm-hmm. When what do, what do you, why do you go to the gas station to get filled up? But when, when you go to a gas station, they try to sell you on their brand of gas. <laughs> you know, our, our, our brand of gas is better than this guy's brand of gas. And, and you see this all the time in consumerism. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of that is really infected church as well. And that's where you see some of these theological rabbit holes. Well, I like my gas like this. And I like my experience like that. And I want, I want this. When, why are you going there in the first place? Yeah. To fill up your tank. To get filled up. And why are you filling up your tank? To go do your job. Yeah. And so what is what is getting this reoriented the right direction? What does this look like? So what does it mean? We, we've now said this quite a few times. What does it mean to be filled up? Filled up with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to... Well, like I said, I will always put these things that we reference, scriptures, articles, things that we talk about that have a connotational reference that you can actually go see. It is actually pointed out by Apostle Paul, our main man, <laughs> the whole reason we have the Sky Blonde show in the first place. He wrote a letter. Everybody writes letters back then. Why don't we write letters anymore? That's an entirely different subject. Email. We got texts. But anyways, he wrote a letter to the Ephesians. And it's actually in Ephesians 3, and it's 14 through 19. I'm going to read it. We read through the NLT or NIV, the everyday person's language. And it states, this is what being filled up by the Holy Spirit really means biblically. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that... From his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with the inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So to be filled by the Holy Spirit, it's like plugging in to be powered up. God gives you the power to live this full life through him 
And how do you do that? You take what you learn and you go out during the week and you you work through it and you do it. And then you come back to Sunday and you get filled up again. Yeah. Doesn't it just mean, doesn't it just mean uh, speaking in tongues and dancing around the, no. uh, the service like it? Well, well, it can. <laughs> for for some, some people it can. For some it might. And, for, and the thing is, is, and that's not a bad thing to understand either, is that different... Um, uh, different people are different parts of the body. Sure. Um, I I may be a hand. You may be a foot. I don't okay. want to be a foot. Okay. Well, okay. You I want to be a knee. You want to be the knee? Okay. I want to be the knee of Christ. Some, <laughs> some people may be the hair. Some people may be the eye. Different people have different attributes of the body. Yeah. Give a cute giggle. <laughs> just like, just like uh, different churches have different attributes of the body. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when Darby and I have done a lot of our ministry stuff, the, the Lord has put us on this weird path where we'll be uh, Methodist, then we're going to be working with Pentecostals, mm-hmm. then we'll be working with Calvary Chapel stuff, then we'll be working with, you know, the like Eastlake Church. And the Baptists. Uh, yeah, Baptists, <coughs> uh, back to Methodists. And so mm-hmm. what we've learned is that these different people, they have different parts of this. And... Um, even with Pentecostals, you see a lot of uh, really, really spirit-filled um, worship. Really yeah. spirit-filled, um, uh, which is just uh, another phrase for filling up the Holy Spirit. Filling. Spirit-filled is just another way to say it. And and so, and, but the thing that you want to make sure is that in your own journey, yes. And if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, promote a church environment, that that is an authentic experience, and that this is not performance art. Yes. Because if you get into the performance art part of that, this is that's when you got to worry about profanity. That's when you got to worry about um, kind of taking something that's really holy and dragging it through the mud, which we talked about in the first show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the different different parts of the body, they'll experience that in different ways. But what is the real focus when you're done? Yeah. And so we the two hands of the gospel. You've got the word part of it, and then you've got the hands part of it. And I think that the church has gotten really, really, really good at the at, words. At the words. The word is the word. The, oh yeah, the Nancy, the, the Nancy Pelosi guy. <laughs> the word is the word is the bird is the, the lady word. with the four eyebrows. <laughs> Explain this to me, Miss Pelosi. Not, okay. You need to see your eyebrow person. Uh, <clears throat> let's not get political. Okay. <clears throat> okay, but anyway, yeah. So, but the point we're trying to make yeah the point we're trying to make remember that song a couple years ago by toby keith a little less talk and a lot more action yeah um (laughs) when you look at what jesus did uh his ministry boy his ministry started off with him hanging around um people that the religious leaders had rejected Mm -hmm. he hung out with them uh he went to parties with them uh he drank with them yeah he ate with them he lived their lives. He even mourned, uh, like when when uh, Lazarus passed away. Um, the the shortest uh, scripture in the Bible is Jesus wept. He 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 cried. He became them. He became yeah. He became a friend to them, and uh, then he healed them. Um, he forgave them of their sins. Then you get around to his ministry. That's when he was teaching them. Yeah. And so without that whole first part of the ministry, if all you're doing is just here's here's the word, here's the word, here's the word, but you're not doing the first part of it, mm-hmm. you really don't have a relationship that gives you the authority or gives you the ability to sow into people's lives. Yeah. 
And that's what we're seeing is with all of this focus just on the building and just on the Sunday church experience, you really don't have the authority to come alongside them and speak into it. No. Uh, reminds me of um, a circumstance that happened a couple of years ago. Uh, we had a we were attending a church. There was a, a particular old lady. Uh, I think the, the nicest way to say is she was a, a mean old lady who found Christ and became a mean old Christian. And <laughs> uh, there were some issues that had happened repetitively that um, people had tried to address. And I knew that uh, just in praying about the whole thing, there was something that I was supposed to talk to her about. But there was never this opportunity mm -hmm. for me to have... Um, uh, there, uh, time to do it. Yeah, time to do it. The, the right time, the right interaction. You don't... Sometimes when you're ministering to people, you really have to wait for that moment. And it, it never presented itself. Well, one day she needed somebody to help her move. And one of the guys that uh, um, people in the church kind of went, oh, well, this guy will help you move. And so it kind of all got thrown on his shoulders. And it was raining. And I knew I knew the gentleman that was going to help her move. And I knew that uh, it, he, he wasn't going to be able to do all of this by himself. And she wasn't going to be able to move the big, heavy furniture and stuff. And so... All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the, the the boss just really put it on my heart to help him move her. It's one of those appointments that he seems to yeah, and people were deliver like, to you all the time. People at the church, seriously, were like, why are you doing that, man? You know, And I was like, you know, I just know I'm supposed to do this. And so we went over there and we helped her move that afternoon. We got everything done. And uh, we would even had to suffer through the rain and everything. And when the whole thing was done and she was thanking us... I knew that why why the boss had had me help her move was that it gave me then that connection, that authority to have that conversation with her. Mm -hmm. And I was able to have a conversation. And um, Yeah, because before you couldn't just walk up to her and said, hey, yeah, ma'am, ma I, I need to talk to you about something because she would have just dismissed you. Well, I think she dismissed you anyways, but... Yeah. But it, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to, to do it in a way that um, it, it would even have a chance of working. Yeah. And so it was, it was, and you have to pay attention to those little cues. Well, that's what a lot of this is is really like. Is mm -hmm. It's not just a, okay, we're going to go and put on this movie. We're going to watch this, you know, this elaborate performance. We're going to get up there with the band members. Then we're going to say a little, uh, we're going to do our church announcements. And then we're going to have a prayer. And then we're going to end it. Or we're going to have a teaching. Then we're going to end it with prayer. And we're all good. And everything's... Sometimes ministry really is paying attention to those cues, mm -hmm. and um, you have to weed through some of what the the boss is trying to tell you, and and pay attention to that stuff, and then do it. It's the idea of once you actually leave church, or once you actually leave the building, that's when church begins. Yeah, and you can see this. You can see this in. Uh, manifest in a bunch of different ways mm -hmm. there's churches around here that have we've mentioned before they have a lot of money they have a lot of backing a lot of people give them support and they have all this beautiful stuff but then when you look at the community that's directly around them it's kind of in ruins mm -hmm. and you're going okay so this is manifesting itself in ways that people see it and then they look at church and they go bunch of hypocrites yeah and that's that's why the church isn't being effective is the church that that once the sunday gas fill up is done 
you're not actually driving your car around and doing what Jesus wants you to do in the community, well, people are going to look at that and go, well, that's being a hypocrite. And they're right. Yeah. Uh, so this, it now it's this, not just as attending church, but this, this concept of being the church. Mm-hmm. Um, what is all that money being used for? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and money, time, your yeah. effort. Uh, when people talk about a walk with God, yeah, I, walking with God that's an active thing that's not sitting on your butt in a pew with God yeah, that's no. walking with we talked about earlier how the church has gotten really good at the idea of words and how they say these things and they they compute these things to you and the idea it's all good and dandy to talk about God's goodness and how he's going to come down and handle things <laughs> when he shows up but the realistic and reality of it is, is that we're we're here. We're, here. Yeah. we're already here, already here, and we have been called to be the soldiers. We just talked about hands, feet. Me, I want to be the knee of God, and how we want to, do, how we're supposed to be doing stuff for Him to reach the people. And you're going to hear a lot of phrases thrown out in services, like we're in a spiritual fight, yeah, and we're fighting spiritual warfare and we are to be prayer warriors and these are all great motivating words to get people fired up and ignited for christ and to do all these things for him to draw people in but the idea of actually getting off the pews and going out and doing those things and leaving the comfort of their den their home base yeah is cause for mass panic attack yeah yeah and in the another analogy that kind of comes to mind, if anybody here uh, in this, <laughs> in the sound of my voice, if you ever been in the, the military, you know what inspections are like. And I, the only way I can kind of summarize the experience that we've had, it would be like uh, having the uh, four-star general come to a town, uh, like a Joint Chiefs of Staff or something like that, come to a town where you've got a, an Army base and a Navy base, uh, Air Force base, Marine Corps base, and he goes around and he's doing inspections at all these different bases. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been to a town like Southern California, Norfolk, Virginia, these places that have a yeah. lot of military bases. So he goes around and he goes to the Army base and uh, he does his inspection and the, the, you know, the base is beautiful and their guns are all clean, the uniforms are spotless, and he goes over to the Air Force base and the planes are all great, and the, the tarmac looks awesome, and you know everybody's presentation is great. The mm-hmm. Navy, all the brass is polished, and the <laughs> ships are all lined up, and uh, the Marines, they've got uh, all their favorite uh, flavor of crayons all ready to go. <laughs> and and so he he looks at all this stuff, and he goes, "Hey, man, these things are all great. Okay, so it's about lunchtime, and the general's going to go downtown." in that same town, and he's going to eat lunch. And when he goes downtown, he finds out that the Russian army is in the center of the town, just burning the town down. <laughs> and I, I, I look at the situation that we're in in kind of the same way. If the boss were to come back, if he went to your individual churches, he'd be like, oh, this is fantastic. But when he sees the effectiveness of his people in the community... Mm-hmm. Man, if I were that general, I, I think I would probably use a lot of four-letter words that we talked about in the first episode. Think about it like this. 
a lot of times in, uh, especially in uh, modern American Christian circles, you hear people talking all the time about, uh, you know, when Jesus is coming back. We're, we all know we're we're in the fourth quarter. We know that we know that we're closer to the end of this thing <laughs> than we were uh, not too long ago. But here's the deal: people talk about, oh, the Lord's coming back. The Lord's coming back. The Lord's coming back. Dude, look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you've given your heart to Jesus, you're already here. Mm-hmm. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the one that he has placed. Um, you are the solution. There's a reason why you were born. There's a reason why you were saved. There's a reason why you're sitting here listening to this conversation that we're having right now. The solution is you. Yes. It's not waiting around for him to come and do it. When he's putting those cues in your heart to care for someone, to call someone on the phone... Uh, if you see somebody on the uh, see somebody on the side of the road that that needs assistance, pray. Listen to his cues because a lot of times those are the opening. <laughs> those are the opening for an appointment. Those are yeah. the opening for the ministry that he wants you to do. And I, and I feel like we're we're waiting around for him to do something, and he's looking at us, going, "Aren't you already there?" Yeah. So our former pastor had a story that he told just in his sermon, and it stuck with me because it fits this narrative so well. So anyways, he was a bi-vocational pastor, so he has a job, and then he leads a church. But anyways, he drove home the same way every day from his job to his house. And the way he went home, there was a route where he had to go in an overpass, and there was a homeless gentleman that was there with his sign. And... Our pastor had this, I I think it was a big gulp cup, I don't know, but it it was full of change. And every time he went from work to home, he had to go by 7-Eleven, which is like a convenience store that we had back there. And he would have to go get a hot dog or a snack. And let me tell you, his wife cooks. She's a fabulous cook. She made all this great stuff. But he didn't care. He had to have the hot dog. He always had so he always had to go buy the hot dog. Well, one day he was coming home from work, and God gave him that appointment. He made the left turn to go home, saw the guy with the sign, patted his big gulp cup full of change because he was on his way to get his Bahama Mama, and God said, give that man your change. And he literally drove the block. I think he said he drove around the block three times because he was like, but I want the hot dog. But God says, I have to give this guy a change, but I want the hot dog. And he was like a five-year-old little boy throwing a tantrum. And he finally turned back around, drove by, rolled down his window, and handed the guy his change. Right. And he grumbled, and he mumbled, and he went home hungry without his hot dog. But I'm sure his wife had the five-course meal all ready for him. Yeah. But it was an idea that God gives you these appointments. little appointments. Yeah. Pay attention. And because you don't know what it means to people, there have been several times in in our ministry where he's done that, and it winds up being an, a a doorway to much much more. But if you mm-hmm. if you miss it, little tiny little tiny doorway, you miss that entire appointment. Yeah. And that's and that's the that's that difference between okay, we just sit around in the pew to now what do we actually do? What are we doing? Yeah, um, it's the idea of outreach. You know, we talked about. This last episode, and I think even the episode before, about churches and outreach, an idea that they have lost the idea of what outreach means. The yeah. idea in modern day church, and this is every church now, and it, it's something that is going on across the board in organized religion. The idea of outreach is just 
reaching those people they need to reach that are already there. They're so or, busy trying to reach those people that are there that they're not moving past the door. They're or, not. And even if they're moving past the door, it's all words. Yeah. It's all words. You, you Oftentimes what's really crazy is you see churches here in America well, we've got a mission trip in Uganda, or we've got a mission trip, in, you know, in, in the Philippines, or, and they're actually talking about collecting money and sending people over there to really help people in physical ways. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 two hands of the gospel. They're digging somebody a well. They're rebuilding people's homes. They're doing all this stuff. They get it when it comes to a foreign mission field, but when you look at the neighborhood that's right outside their door, yeah. They can't see it. So there's an article that came out quite a few years ago. We're really good on articles. And I'm, again, I'm going to po- post this. And I hope you guys go onto our Facebook page and read these because it's it's relevant. And it really will give you that kind of big picture. We can talk about it. But if you read these, you will kind of understand. And it talks about the autopsy of a deceased church outreach ministry. Mm-hmm. And what that is is no intentional outreach. The article actually lays out what that means and so one of the things it talks about is how we aren't reaching people because we're not even trying we as in the church we're not even trying to reach people we become so enamored with the worship service that that's as far as it goes it doesn't go anywhere past the front door we concluded it at the worship service and that's it we don't go any further uh, we don't even have any idea how to get out to our communities. We talked about that in, in a prior episode. So these articles are so fun to read because it validates the stuff that we have had all these feelings about. Yeah, that's uh, that's the gas station. Yeah. It's just, oh, well, there's a gas station. I'm good. We call everything outreach. Everything we do is outreach. Everything that happens is evangelism. And... Well, it's not because if everything you do is evangelism and everything you're doing is outreach and you're not really doing outreach... You'll never learn how to do outreach when you actually have to go out and reach people. And, and listen, in that whole listening for God's cues, I say that, and that's an individual experience. Mm-hmm. But what is the church as a corporate experience doing to go, oh, yeah, our community that's here right around our church needs X. Yeah. What? Just like when Jesus hung out with people and he went, oh, yeah, okay. So you need to be healed. Yeah. We talked about there's more than just sitting in the pews. It was a great reference you made. It really is. We become so complacent in the things that we do that the idea of actually going out and reaching out to people who aren't part of our community, and I'm talking about community, insular community, yeah. in the four walls, that, that messes up the flow. Yeah. And that's, and that's the part when if you're really fighting a battle... If you're really fighting spiritual warfare, and I've actually used this, here's the problem. If, you, if you're fighting spiritual warfare and your battlefield is as clean as uh, a hospital room. You're doing it wrong. Then you're probably doing it wrong. If, when you're fighting a battle, um, you're going to have body parts and blood and mess and uh, you're going to smell cordite in the air Fighting a battle is a messy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to be the um, the Samaritan, we're going to talk about that in a second, and you're going to help the guy in the ditch, well, you got to go get in the ditch. Yeah. So you're going to get muddy. Um, you can talk about helping the old, bitter, Jesus-loving lady move, or you can actually leave the building, go to her and say, 
hey, I got a truck. I'm going to help you move. Yeah. And do it. And then do it. Whether you want to or not, you just do it. And then have that talk afterwards. And so the solution, um, when you get into uh, what is the solution going to be, Matthew 7, 13, uh, it talks about, Jesus is talking about, um, you're going to know them by their fruit. Okay, and that a good tree can't produce bad tr- fruit, a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Mm-hmm. You're going to know his people by their actions. Mm-hmm. Okay, it didn't say by how many people they saved. Yeah, it didn't say by how clean the, the church is. It didn't say how many times you go into the community and you walk around and you, you tell people about Jesus. It says by their actions. Yes, and you go, okay, well, what is what is what that, is an action? What is this action? Well. Jesus has said several times he has this conversation with people, sometimes a religious leader, sometimes the people he knows, when they're talking about what is the greatest commandment. Let's look in uh, Luke 10. Uh, This is going to start at 25, and it uh, talks about what's the most important commandment. Uh, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answers, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So this is where Jesus segues into the uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. Jesus replies with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came by, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road. He actually goes away from the guy to pass him by. Uh, a temple assistant, uh, so this is another person that, that works in the, the quote-unquote church, he sees... And he walks over, looks at the guy lying there, but then he also decides, hey, I'm, I'm just going to pass him by. And so he, he goes to the other side of the road and passes the guy. Then a despised Samaritan. And to give you context, the Samaritans, they were kind of the, the outlaws of the old Jewish time. They were kind of the, the, the Samaritans. That was kind of like the, the biker gang area <laughs> of, of uh, Judea. So... The Samaritan comes by, he sees the man in the ditch, he feels compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. He put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where, uh, and took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling the guy, Take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I see you. Now, which of these three men would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Mm -hmm. Then Jesus says, yes, now go and do the same. Mercy. Mercy. And it's that active obedience to, I'm going to show mercy. So when you get this, what is the action by which they're going to know you by? Mm -hmm. It's that obedience. And it's not just obedience to some rule. It's not just obedience to 635 uh, laws in the Old Testament. It's not obedience to church bylaws or how you dress Mm -hmm. or theological rabbit holes. It's when he is asking you to show mercy. God has shown us grace. Right. So therefore we are to show grace 
to others people and and doing that individually and then coming together as the church and doing it corporately why is it so important to have fellowship because there's strength in numbers mm-hmm. you can do more in numbers than you can by yourself oh yeah and do uh, more do more That's a <laughs> yeah yeah action do more our kid five minutes ago i happened to see something flash up on my phone yeah and he posted something on facebook which is great i mean the kid's 15 but he's got that thought but made me think there is a church in brazil i think it is that has an article that states and this is going to shock some people this church took all of their money that people have tithed all the money that people had donated and given in tithe by donations by just what they've earned by kids were doing bake sales uh they were selling uh, reeves made out of the trees that grow uh in the area near to them and they took all that money and they built homes for the homeless people in their community do, do you think that's going to have more uh appeal it's going to have more draw it's going to have more effect on the people around you than mirror the pews, the pews straight, they look nice, is the floor clean, uh, do you have the best uh, air freshener? Yeah. What yeah. What do you think does affects that matter? the world around you? That goes back to the, does the gas station, i.e. church, building, sanctuary, whatever you want to call it. Denominational structure sometimes, yeah. Does that have to be so incredibly elaborate or does it just have to be functional yeah is it a facility or is it the center of everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah um so yeah you so see you have to ask your you have to ask yourself those questions where does your authority really lie where yeah. does your loyalty uh really lie yeah is this this function that you go to or is this a relationship and the relationship is actually what we're going to get into in our next episode the idea of a true living relationship with Christ versus a habitual, I do it because I've always done it and every my family has done it. We have the same religion. Yeah. So. Relationship versus religion. You've heard it a bunch, but we're going to cover it next week. Sure. You can listen to and subscribe to us at The Sky Balloon Show on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and we have a Twitter also, at The Sky Balloon Show. This is where we're going to post our show notes and anything that we reference. You'll find all the links to that for those episodes. Our opening song is called Happy Life by Ryan Anderson. Our closing jingle is called Americanorama by Colorado. That mean old casino, cleaned my pants and hung him out to dry. Drown the town of Reno, leave the lights on, let him die. Hey, join us next week where we talk about losing mine, yours, and our religion, and how we can actually have a real meaningful relationship with Christ. Sunday nights. See you next time.